You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... It's Wednesday, last Wednesday I did trade stuff. Today, we're talking about the trade deadline, which is days, not weeks away, eight days until the trade deadline for the Pacers. It is February 10th. This is coming out on the 2nd. Perhaps for you, it's even less than eight days till the trade deadline. And last week, I talked about the Pacers trade deadline, kind of preview all the key players, what I think their value is, what kind of stuff the Pacers should target. If you're interested in that high-level stuff, go back to last Wednesday's show and listen to it. Today, we're getting a little more creative and nitty-gritty because last week was just the big picture stuff that you can get on a variety of podcasts about the Pacers or the NBA. Today, we're getting a little cap dorky. We're getting real creative. We're talking about how the Pacers can do stuff at this trade deadline that I don't think I've heard anyone write about or talk about. And this is where I think my cap expertise signs. So there's so much to get to with how the Pacers can be creative today. Salary dumps. Expiring contracts, free agency in 2022, taking back big contracts, trading for injured players, trade exceptions. You're getting the whole works today on Locked On Pacers as we dive into creative trade deadline strategies. And there's some notes I have from this show that I'm just going to skip over and jump right in. Let's talk first about salary dumps because something that I think has not been discussed very much for the Pacers as they dive into this trade deadline is if they are a forward-thinking team, and they appear to be if they're going to potentially trade off some bets for other stuff. Forward thinking doesn't just mean trade player X for stuff Y that has more long-term value. It could also mean making a trade that sets you up to make a different move in the future. And part of why I think that is an important caveat that is missed is the Pacers are not that far over the salary cap next offseason. In fact, it's pretty easy if they decline keep for Sykes team option and re-sign TJ Warren at a somewhat reasonable number that they could be like right at the cap with the team they have right now. So if they're able to trade a lot of their key guys for less salary or expiring contracts, right? Let's say that they can trade Dwight, Justin Holiday, and Torrey Craig alone for nothing in return. That's $11 million of cap space. Let's say they can trade Miles Turner for less money coming back. That number gets bigger. Let's say they do the same with LeVert or they get expirings for those guys. All of a sudden, they could have some serious space. There's not a lot of teams with space next summer, and salary cap space isn't that valuable for a small market team, but it does allow you to make other salary dump trades and acquire assets that way. It does allow you to sign guys at a time when guys don't have that much space. So even though it's not that valuable for the Pacers, it still gives them options in a position of power. So while I understand, and I talked about this last week and would understand that if they did it now, the linear line of thinking of trade available vets for young pieces, picks, whatever, there's also a line of thinking to me of what salaries are out there that the Pacers could get that are expirings or fake expirings kind of that fit kind of the bill of around where the Pacers players who make a significant amount of money are. And so there's a couple names that stand out that stood out to me that are in the Miles Turner, Karis LeVert kind of high teens, low twenties salary range that are kind of the big money expiring deals that the Pacers could target in these trades. Gary Harris makes 20 million in Orlando. He's on an expiring deal. Goran Dragic at 19.4 million, Ricky Rubio at 17.5 million, Torian Prince at 15 million, Thad Young, former Pacer, about 14 and a half 
and Joe Ingles all at 14 million or more. Those guys seem like, you know, that they, and especially in Ingles' case, because he served for the year, they wouldn't necessarily contribute that much to the Pacers for the rest of the season. You know, they're not like, so, they're, they're all good vets. There's a reason they make what they make, but they're not so talented that they're going to ruin a tank or anything. None of them are thought of poorly. They could even be bought out if the Pacers end up getting them in a trade. And I'm not saying they have value or, to the Pacers or that these, these should be guys the Pacers are targeting, but them as salary fillers in trades for guys like Turner and Levert, even if it's a three-team deal, do make a lot of sense to me in that all of a sudden you have shed an entire salary in this next offseason and there's a, an expiring deal on the books. And there's a couple other guys that have some extra creativity here, right? There's Al Horford out there. He makes $27 million a year. That's a huge amount of money for him. He's not. He's good. He's still a valuable NBA player, but not the guy he used to be. Next offseason... That drops to half guaranteed, and you could stretch that out to even be down to $5 million a year and save $20 million on the books, and you're helping the Celtics save some money, so they might be willing to sweeten the pot with some assets. If you're the Pacers, you can get assets along with a valuable player in a deal. That seems pretty appealing to me. Same with guys like Eric Bledsoe, who has $4 million guaranteed next year. That number could be cut easily from his $19 million salary. Danilo Gallinari with the Hawks has $5 million guaranteed next year. He has $20 million guaranteed this year. All these names are not names that are awesome season-changing players for the Pacers. They're not supposed to be. They're, they might not even last the rest of this season on the team if the Pacers got them. They could all be bought out. Dragic, the reports that he might be bought out have already surfaced in a few places, right? So these names are just guys that, with the right stuff, right, and maybe a direct deal for some of these guys, maybe a three-team deal for some others, there's a way that the Pacers end up acquiring them in a deal where they also get a first-round pick or something else along with that guy. Or be, let's say they trade, this is just a hypothetical, let's say they trade Miles Turner to the Raptors for Dragic, and that's the salaries. Then you'd get the assets the Pacers would that they would have gotten for Turner anyway, you know, whatever, a pick and a young player. And then they also get a little something to take on Dragic's deal because it's off the Raptors now, and they save a little bit of money. It's just a way to add assets to your asset pool. And especially so in the case of the three guys with a little bit of guaranteed money next year, right? If the Hawks can get out of Gallinari's $5 million guaranteed next year, they might be willing to give up a second-round pick for that. Same with the Clippers and Eric Bledsoe. Those teams are paying a lot of money for their rosters. If they can save a little money next year, beyond the stuff they'd be trading for the player they're getting, they would also potentially be willing to give up a little more to get off that money next year. In Horford's case, $15 million, getting off of $15 million next year, that's expensive. That might cost a late first or a good young player. And the Celtics have a few of those. They're not the greatest team. I don't know exactly what they would want from the Pacers, neither with the Hawks or Clippers. But there are three-team scenarios and salary scenarios out there where it makes sense to me for the Pacers to trade for those expirings just so this coming offseason they can have salary cap space that could allow them to sign players, that could allow them to take in salaries and trades and acquire a first-round pick along with it in a salary dump scenario. And that's another way to get extra picks on top of deals you're already going to make. And so that is one path that I think has been under-discussed as ideas for the Pacers. Running alongside that is, and they could do both of these at the same time, but I also don't think it's crazy that they value expirings like crazy in this trade period. Beyond those names I just listed who have similar salary ranges to Turner and Levert, and Sabonis technically, right? They could, like Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig both, have two years left on their contracts, right? So does Goga Batadze, in theory, if they decide to move on from him 
because Isaiah Jackson's promising or something. But all that to say, they could just go, okay, our strategy is maximize our flexibility. Let's trade. And there's a bajillion NBA players who make, you know, between eight and four and a half million that are on expiring deals. Like just reading through the salary list in the NBA, DeLon Wright, Mo Bamba, Tyus Jones, Chris Boucher, uh, Colin Sexton, Dennis Schroeder, Kevin Knox, Timofey. Oh, no, that's a stretch deal. Miles Bridges, uh, Ryan Anderson's deal is stretched. Kevon Looney, Troy Brown. Like, there's so many guys that you could get. Not, I'm not saying any of those guys have the value for Holiday. And Craig, I'm just saying there's a lot of salaries in the range for those guys that you could also do, you know, Justin Holiday for an expiring. And then all of a sudden, there's a little more value there. You cut off his money next year. You cut off Torrey Craig's money next year from the Pacers. You could open up significant space. And I'm not saying they should prioritize space. We know what cap space means to a small market team, unless they're willing to use that space creatively again in the future. But I do think it's been under discussed that they could be a cap space team this coming summer, which is an interesting thing for, for, you know, the league as a whole has not really had a lot of cap space in recent seasons after the cap spike really leveled off thanks to the pandemic. So that is one thing I think the Pacers could do is think about free agency a little bit in trades, not just think about the return, but think about what else this return gets you. And in this case, it could be flexibility for 2022. And all these expirings are interesting to me. And speaking of contracts and their importance in free agency, Pacers could combine some salaries and do some serious stuff in this trade period. I I have lots of notes on this as well. And this is a little different than trading for expirings. This is actually getting those assets now instead of doing the salary dump in the future. Let's talk about combining salaries and big money trades. But before we do that, let's talk about two awesome groups of people. First up, the good folks over at Prize Picks. NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. I love it, and we know that you will, too. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times your deposit on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. It's super easy. It's safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and they have an award-winning app on the App Store and Google Play. You pick any prop you can think of, points scored, rebounds, steals. You've got it. They've got it for starters, bench players, whatever you like. You can do it on Prize Picks. And for a limited time, they have an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of Locked On Pacers listeners. Users can get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single one point, but you must use the code NBA when you sign up. The exclusive offer available for Lockdown fans. Sign up today. Use that code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point. Let's also talk about TurboTax because people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives. Whether you invest in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, or are raising rambunctious twins. But luckily, TurboTax has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can talk to a TurboTax live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax live experts are here to help you however you need. And if you need an extra hand, Hand off your taxes to them. They'll do it for you. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every day as we delve into creative stuff the Pacers can do at the trade deadline. And this one, this segment is going to make some people twitch a little bit and, and go, ooh, 
Why would the Pacers do that? It's all about assets. It's all about assets. They're obviously really appealing names of young guys that fans really want. And first-round picks are beautiful. There's also really unappealing contracts in the NBA that the Pacers could take on right now, right now, and, and get some assets that way. They could also take on some bigger salaries that have good players and are interesting names. So there's a lot of combination trades. And I think these have been discussed a little bit in the trade sphere for the Pacers, but not in the way that I want to talk about them. Let's do this first. We see this a lot. We just kind of saw it. John Wall for Russell Westbrook was a trade that happened. A first-round pick went from the uh, Wizards to the Rockets, and that was a bad trade. But then Russ gets dealt for all this stuff that was all cobbled together. Wizards get some assets in exchange for us. Now his money, Russ's, is bad. And John Walls is bad. And all these bad deals, they take a lot of stuff on top of them to trade. Like the third overall pick or whatever it was that was required on top of D'Angelo Russell. It was required on top of Andrew Wiggins to get D'Angelo Russell, for example. Andrew Nicholson got traded from the Wizards along with a first-round pick a few years ago for Bojan Bogdanovic. Pacers fans remember him well. Salary dumps happen all the time where teams give up a bad salary, and a really good asset to get a player about that same salary level who's not worth the asset alone but is worth the salary dump. And I think that's not the craziest idea for the Pacers. It's a little off the wall, and they would have to get something really juicy back for some of these guys. But just just think about who is available for the Pacers, short of just saying everybody. But just thinking holistically, without including Levert or Sabonis in this discussion, by the way, if you just cobble together Miles Turner, Torrey Craig, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb into one pile of stuff, into one pile of salaries, that's $39 million, basically. Almost $40 million. You can include Goga, you can get to 42, you include the Vert, you can get you can get anyone with that combination of players. It's not I don't know, it would it would take a lot of stuff, right? But like Tobias Harris makes a ton of money. A ton of money. He's kind of good. Right, The Pacers could squint and say, we're kind of trying to win, but they could also get Tobias Harris, who's due $115 million over the next three years, which is bonkers, and get some gr- – if they could do that and get some awesome stuff on top of Tobias Harris, like two firsts or some appealing young player that Philly has. I think their only appealing young player might be Tyrese Maxey, but you get the idea. Paul Reed's really good. And some firsts you know, for those salaries, that's not like a crazy idea. I would not do that trade for a to be fair, but th- I didn't even say a fake trade. I don't think I would do something like that, to be fair, but I get why that makes sense for the Pacers to get a somewhat quality player and a bunch of assets. It, that makes sense to me. And there's a lot of guys that kind of make sense in this room, right? Chris Stapps Porzingis in Dallas. And this one's a little different because he can be good. He's a former all-star and was supposed to be the, the big name next to Luka Doncic. That hasn't worked out. So if the Mavs could either clear some money or make something happen, I'm sure they'd be interested. Porzingis do 65 guaranteed millions over the next two seasons, then a player option on the third year. He's basically got $100 million over the next three years. He's not a $100 million player, right? What's stopping the Mavs from trading him for some combination of Pacers salaries? And they give up, you know, maybe Josh Green and a pick or something that they have available that would be appealing to the Pacers. Right. Kevin Love, I suppose that he's been a very valuable vet for the Cavs this year. They might not be interested in moving him, but same kind of deal there. Buddy Heald. And the last three guys in this list, and really Eric Gordon's on this list. He's probably got positive value now, so I probably should take him off. That was that's been on this list for a while. 
But Buddy Heald and Evan Fournier are two guys that are only around like 20 million, basically. You know, Eric Gordon's at 18 million right now. Um, Buddy Heald is at 22 million, declining every year right now. And uh, the with the Knicks, they just signed Evan Fournier to this monster four year, uh, 70-ish million, $80 million deal. Crazy numbers, right? Those guys, plus assets for Turner or Lavert or some combination of salaries like Lamb and a, a wing, that doesn't seem crazy to me as a way for the Pacers to get a decent player plus assets right now. That player can help you bridge into your next era. Those picks, obviously, or young players, obviously help you bridge into your next era. Those are creative ideas that, while unappealing on the surface, make a lot of sense to me as a way for the Pacers to get more assets for the stuff that already has positive value on their team. And again, I'm not suggesting any of these trades straight up. I would have to see an entire package or an entire fake trade, but these are just ideas that make sense to me. Those are the expensive, a bad category of trades that Pacers can make. I typed Russell Westbrook and John Wall's name down. It would take a ridiculous, ridiculous asset pool for me to think the Pacers would do that. But they have enough, in theory, cobbleable assets to do that. They shouldn't, but they 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 can get up there uh, if they combine enough salaries. But there's also combining salaries for the Pacers, not to take back a bad salary and a bunch of assets, but also to trade for a kind of good player. And this is included in here, not because necessarily it's the most creative strategy. In fact, this is probably the least creative thing I'll talk about today. But this kind of seems a little Pacers-y, if that makes any sense. Like they're down for a year, and instead of really taking that down year in stride, going and getting someone awesome who could make your team good next year, and that's fine. I get why they would want to do that as a franchise, but that seems very short-sighted, and they sh- I don't think when you're you know, basically as close to the 14th seed in your conference than you are to the play, and you should be thinking short-sighted. But some of these guys do have long-term appeal, and you can trade them again in the future. But these are expensive, good players to me, where you'd have to combine salaries to get them, but it'd be worth it because they're good or they could have value in the future, whatever you want to describe them as. There's not that many players on this list who, in the NBA, meet the billing of potentially available, actually talented, kind of expensive in terms of money and asset trades, and makes sense for the Pacers to go for. It's a pretty short list. In fact, I have five players on there. And one of them is Ben Simmons, who it seems like the Sixers are just going to hold on to and try to get James Harden in the summer. And for the Pacers, who could trade Brogdon in the summer, it seems like waiting for Simmons, they could make a more appealing package later on. So that's all I'll say there. But the other four names, there are four, are CJ McCollum, Gordon Hayward, De'Aaron Fox, and John Collins. And CJ McCollum, you know, he's got three years, a hundred million left on his deal. He is 30 years old, right? He's probably not the biggest positive value contract, but, but he is quite good as a scorer. He would make the Pacers better at the two guard spot. He could even be a fake like Levert role point guard if they need it because Brogdon's hurt all the time. He's like way better than Levert offensively, especially as a shooter. If they, you know, if you combine Turner and Jeremy Lamb, you've got the salary there to get him. That's not a trade I would do as the Pacers, to be clear. But there are ways that it makes sense for the Blazers, who are right for a shakeup, and the Pacers, who, in theory, you know, if you're Herb Simon and you want to build on the go, go that direction. They trade for a guy like McCollum and try to get better and surge back into the playoffs next season. Gordon Hayward, same kind of deal, right? The Hornets, they are young and awesome. I don't know why they would try to shake things up. He's got three years, $91 million left on his deal. Wanted to be in Indiana before. It's easy to cobble together the salaries to get close to his 29, basically 30 million. 
uh, for the rest of this season if the Pacers wanted to do that. He'd be the power forward they've been clamoring for positionally for forever. Again, this whole list, not necessarily saying I would trade for these guys, just stuff that it kind of makes some sense, I guess, uh, depending on what, what the trade looks like. Darren Fox, reportedly some outlets and reporters are saying available from Sacramento. Some others saying he's not available from Sacramento. I don't necessarily know what I believe, but uh, I have my own thoughts that I will not share on the show. But Darren Fox, if available, very good. Uh, at his best, very inconsistent at his worst. Five years, $163 million left on that deal. Whew, that's a lot of money. He is very good. He is only 23, 24. He turned 24 at the end of December. He's a tw- He can be close to a 20-7 and seven guy. He was a 25-7 and seven guy for the Kings last year. De'Aaron Fox can be great. He's very inconsistent, though. His defense wanes a la Laverde. He's a terrible shooter. He's got enough warts in his game that it's risky, but I get why the Pacers could sell that as the perfect he's good now and could be better later rebuilding style move. Fits well with the roster they have now to me, although does obviously have warts that fit with some of the warts. The last guy here is John Collins with Atlanta, reportedly dissatisfied with his role with the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young touches the ball all the time. I understand that. At $23 million, it wouldn't even be that hard to cobble together the salaries here. Five years, $125 million left for him, but he would take a lot of assets for the Pacers to get. I just think he's in the expensive, good, potentially gettable category that the Pacers could, in theory, be chasing. But that is the list of guys, to me, that if the Pacers combine salaries, you know, they have Turner, potentially available, Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig, Goga Batadze, Karis LeVert, Jeremy Lamb, the list goes on and on. Any of those guys, you cobble them together, and all of a sudden, you've got the salary to basically get anybody, anybody in the league. So maybe it's going up and upgrading. Maybe it's getting someone whose contract absolutely stinks, but you get a ton of assets right now. Like, it would take a lot for a team to take Tobias Harris. A lot. But why not the Pacers, who want to be better pretty soon, can get assets for a guy now. The idea is interesting to me. The execution of it is very hard. But those are ideas that the Pacers in their situation have to be thinking of because it is rare. Like, let's talk about the Pacers holistically to close this segment out. They are probably the most disappointing team in the NBA this year. Them or Portland are in that group, and and they have Dame's injury in Portland to, to lean back on as a reason for why they're the team, right? They're not the team, right? So... Pacers probably the most disappointing team in the league this year. They've spent on this core. They don't have like a ton of extra assets for a bad team. Like they have to getting creative might be necessary to, to either get back to being relevant. Good. You know, Rick Carlisle said before the season, I wanted to get the Pacers back to relevant. That was kind of paraphrasing, but that was the words. He used the word relevant, right? They can't do that. If they just statically go forward, they have to, get creative in some step of the team building process. And that's why I think even though some of these deals and ideas sound off the wall, they're the kind of stuff Kevin Pritchard has to think long and hard about with building. And I have two other ideas for creativity at the trade deadline. They don't really go together like the first two segments do. I just call it other. Um, But two more things to talk about for this Pacers team at the trade deadline as I continue to cover what the Pacers could do in the next eight days, which – Could be a lot of stuff, but I want to make it easy for you guys to digest and understand how the Pacers could be navigating the coming days. Let's pivot and talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk about the good folks over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting 
protein bars ever. And I'm not saying that. That is not written in the ad copy. That is actually a fact. So many Locked On Pacers listeners have tried Built Bar and say they love them. I have tried Built Bar and I love them. The peanut butter brownie flavor is delicious. So many protein bars are just bad. They're chewy. They're chalky. They're nasty. Built Bars, 100% covered in chocolate, absolutely delicious, and of course, healthy. That's what makes them so appealing. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, so many delicious flavors. You can get variety packs. You can get the flavor you want over and over again, like me with the peanut butter brownies. You can do whatever you want. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you, and that is where Built Bar can come into play. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Two more creative trade ideas for the Pacers. Thank you all for listening today and every day. The Locked On Podcast Network's trade deadline show coming up on deadline day. I will, of course, be heavily featured if the Pacers make moves that day. If they don't. Other teams will, but still, why not keep up with local experts talking about all the trades around the league that day? It's going to be awesome. We'll have more info in the coming days. For now, let's talk more about Pacers trades. And this one, this next idea, has kind of been discussed, I think, in other Pacers coverage places. But this makes sense to me for a lot of reasons. That is trading for injured players who are injured right now or kind of undervalued players. I'm grouping this together, but I'm going to separate it for the purpose of this discussion. because. If the Pacers were five games out of the play and say, a, a, a stone's throw away, they're not. But if they were, they could sell as a franchise. Yeah, we think upgrading the team now gets us to the plan. But they're not close enough to do that to me. It's been over 50 games and they're pretty far away. So this season is, this is my ideas. But this season is sunk. If you trade for an injured player who's not going to play for you this year, who cares? You're not, the Pacers already aren't good. But it doesn't hurt them to get a, a, a cold body on their team who can't play if it also means they get the right assets to help them team build going forward on the roster. They're already a really injured team. There are risks that comes with trading for this. But you also get the guys free agent rights, which in some cases is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> so there are kind of a lot of guys that fit this bill of have been injured this season and it hurt their value or are out for the rest of the season and could be traded with stuff in what I would consider – an interesting way. So let's go through some of the guys that are out for the season or potentially out for the season. Joe Ingles and Ricky Rubio. Hey, you already heard those names today. They are expiring contracts that are kind of in the range of that Levert-Turner group, right? If the Pacers took those guys in, they wouldn't play for the team this year, wouldn't help them win or lose games, but they could get assets on top of that guy in a trade. That makes sense to me. That seems like a good idea to me. And in, in Joe Ingles' case, I talked about him as like, a week ago before he got hurt as a good quality wing, right? Why not if you're the Pacers this summer and you have his bird rights, maybe you want to re-sign him for a year and see what having a good wing can do alongside Duarte and Jackson. They haven't really had good wing play all season. And maybe TJ Warren changes that analysis, but you know, Joe Ingles in that way has a lot of appeal. Ricky Rubio, you know, he probably wouldn't play if McConnell comes back and Brogdon's still on the team next year, but perhaps there's a way that he could be finagled in, but he would just be... Again, salary ballast in a deal where they use him to get an asset from the Cavs or from some other team in a three-team deal. And speaking of assets from the Cavs, Colin Sexton is also out for a long time, perhaps the whole season, in Cleveland. <laughs> Former lottery pick, 
has shown talent as a scorer in the 20-point-per-game range. The Cavs rolling without him. Perhaps they realize they can be good if they deal him. I don't know if the Pacers can get him or if they'd be willing to pay what he's going to want this summer. But that is another injured guy that it makes a little bit of sense to me for the Pacers to go get talented players who will not play potentially for them this season. but could be on the team next year. Michael Porter Jr. is out for the season, so I typed his name down. There's no reason the Nuggets would trade him. There's no way the Pacers can get him. We'll move on from that one. Jason Preston. You probably don't know much about Jason Preston. He's never played. He was drafted by the Clippers with the 33rd pick in the draft this season. And when you're picked in the top of the second round, your rep is a lot lower than when you're picked at the back of the first round. He was picked three picks away from the first round. Went to Ohio in college. Talented player. He's out for the year in L.A. Perhaps a guy like that could be exactly what the Pacers are looking for, right? A low, Not not a high-value guy, but a top 30-something pick. Three years on his deal, only $2.6 million guaranteed. Why not sniff a former top 30 pick? Get him on your team, see what he can be in a future season if the Clippers are willing to move on from him or are trying to even do that. Kyra Lewis. Man, did I love Kyra Lewis in the draft a few years ago. He lands with... Pelicans as a lotto pick as well. He was the 13th pick that year. He's only 20. He's also out for a super long time with a torn ACL and a grade 2 MCL sprain. He was so fast at Alabama. Who knows how much knee injuries will hurt that. I just loved his burst when I watched him play. He hasn't materialized much as a pro, so his value might not be that high, especially coming off a torn ACL. Again, if you're the Pacers, why why not? What, what do you got to lose? That seems like the kind of swing a team in their situation to be looking to take. Patrick Williams with the Bulls, fourth overall pick two years ago. Talked about him last week. I mean, he's got a lot of value, and the Bulls have to play his situation perfectly. They're not really a good fit for a Bulls-Pacers trade to me, but if the Pacers can sneak in and get a former top four pick who's only 20 years old, they have to try. But I, I don't know that that's a good – you know, it's sort of like MPJ. There just isn't incentive for the Pacers to make the Bulls give him up. Speaking of Bulls, Bull, who was traded to the Celtics earlier this season, uh, he's out for a long time. I don't know if he's out for the whole season. Uh, he had foot surgery. Pacers and bigs with foot injuries seems like a perfect fit to me. In a non-joking way, though, Bull Bull has shown high flashes if the Pacers do end up moving on from multiple bigs. Why not take a stab at Bull Bull and what his future could be? Although I believe his contract is expiring, and that makes him, to me, uh, not necessarily worthy deal for them because you know you, unless you're getting an asset on top of him which why um what's what's the point of bringing him in the last one i have here is not so little with the blazers and the blazers looking like a team that will just stand pat rightfully so as the as the season comes to an end or at least perhaps be in the pacers tier where they sell off a few things so it's unlikely that the pacers can get a former first round pick there but he's out for a while maybe portland looking to make a long-term upgrade kind of move but you know, that's just the guys that are young and out for the season. It could make some some sense for the Pacers to acquire those kind of guys. That makes sense. And, like, there's other guys who, like James Wiseman, Dante DiVincenzo, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, that have been out for a while, and thus their value is lower by default because no one knows what they are, what they can be when they return. Can the Pacers capitalize on that, right? Is there a way they can hop in on that kind of stuff? I think the Warriors are pretty high on Wiseman. DiVincenzo's been playing again. For the Bucks, I don't know if he's even available for them. If they try to make an upgrade and repeat his title contenders, perhaps he could be. The Magic dudes, I don't know why they'd be traded. Jonathan Isaac, I think, is a fantastic player. No reason the Magic would give him up. But that's the kind of stuff that makes sense to me for the Pacers to kind of go for. And the other side of this, uh, you know, injured players are undervalued. What other guys are undervalued that aren't hurt in the NBA? 
why they're on they were they're on a team that they can't get on the court for you know Goga Batadze would fit this bill he was not on the Pacers right a guy in that situation who a former top 20 or top ish pick that could be good and have some potential but can't get on the court for their current team their values falling after they got picked that's the kind of stuff the Pacers could be trying to get that list Obi Toppins on there for me Moses Moody with the Warriors Josh Akogi with the Timberwolves Romeo Langford with the Celtics, Jalen Johnson with the Hawks, Kai Jones with the Hornets, and Keon Johnson with the Clippers. Those last three guys, all first-round picks this past season in the top 21 because Keon Johnson went 21st. Romeo Langford from IU, obviously, a uh, lottery pick. Okogi went 20-something. Moody was a lottery pick. Obi Toppin was a lottery pick. And some of those guys, you know, Moody with the Warriors, perhaps they want to upgrade. Obi with the Knicks, who want to upgrade. Romeo with the Celtics, who might want to upgrade. Okogi with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who might want to upgrade. In fact, basically everybody except for Kai Jones on this list is on a team that might want to upgrade. Those guys seem like guys that make sense for the Pacers to go get them. And a lot of, if any of these names I mentioned last week on the guys I would be targeting list and today on guys that make sense for the Pacers to target list are the guys that I am particularly thinking that there's good frameworks that make sense for them. Obi Toppin, if you didn't notice, is one of those names that has appeared both weeks as well as Moses Moody. The last thing I want to talk about on today's show in the other category of stuff, creative stuff the Pacers can do at this deadline, they have trade exceptions, right? Trade exceptions are very confusing for fans, and I'll try my best to explain them, but basically they can count as your matching salary in a trade. The Pacers have a $7.3 million trade exception they got in the Doug McDermott little swap what they did with the Spurs. They have a $4 million one from the Aaron Holiday, Isaiah Jackson maneuver, and they have a $2.3 million one for trading Edmund Sumner to the Nets for nothing. They can't be combined. You can't have those three trade exceptions become one that's worth, you know, $13 million. But, you know, let's say I, I'm just picking a guy who's making about the McDermott-level exception that could become available. I don't know. There's, this is hard. Zach Collins. <laughs> for example, former lotto pick, he's with the Spurs. He's been hurt all year. Who knows what his value is? Pacers could just take him if the Spurs don't want to pay him anymore, right? That kind of stuff. And I, that doesn't make sense for the Spurs to do. It just that kind of stuff is possible for the Pacers. You And what you can do with trade exceptions that does make sense, especially because these exceptions are close in value to the contracts of Justin Holliday and Torrey Craig is, you can make a trade – that doesn't do the same things for both teams. And I'm going to explain this as fast as I can, and I'll probably skip over stuff that makes it obvious. But what the Pacers could do is, I'm just going to pick a player who fits this salary bill. But like DJ Augustine with Houston, you know, they could trade Justin Holiday for DJ Augustine. And what the trade looks like for the Rockets is DJ Augustine for Justin Holiday, straight up. That's the whole trade. But what the trade looks like for the Pacers is, they trade Justin Holiday to the Rockets. That's trade one. That's it. Nothing in return. And then trade two is, they take in... DJ Augustine into the McDermott trade exception. Why would the Pacers do that? Because they would then get a trade exception for trading away Justin Holiday that has, and trade exceptions expire one year after they're acquired. So that would push back the clock basically for the Doug McDermott trade exception. Instead of it expiring in July of 2022, it would then roll over to 2023 and be called the Justin Holiday trade exception. So I think the trade exception for McDermott could be valuable in any trade. For Tory Craig or Justin Holiday, uh, it's basically like exactly the amount for a few guys' salaries in the league. Patrick Williams fits basically perfectly in. Again, there's no reason the Bulls would give him up, but just looking at salaries 
around the league and and who fits in there. Like Corey Joseph basically fits exactly in to McDermott's, for example. There are ways to use them, and the smaller ones are a little harder to use in practice, but pushing back the clock on those is still bad. But like a Kogi would fit in to the Aaron Holiday trade exception, for example. It just wouldn't shock me if you see a trade that looks kind of basic, you know, just a simple swapping of salaries that looks basic from the outside is actually a little more interesting for the Pacers and that it pushes back their flexibility clock on some of these trade exceptions. So while they might not have a ton of value, they do allow the Pacers to be a little more creative or just taking in salary in that trade exception and getting a second round pick and a small salary dump. Those options are always available for teams with those exceptions. Don't rule them out. Do not rule them out with the deadline coming up in eight days. That's a lot of creative stuff. I hope that it was interesting to you guys because the Pacers could do a lot, a lot in the next eight days. They have to pick a direction. I'm going to be having a story up. By the time you're listening, it probably is up on Forbes about the Pacers picking a direction and a plan going forward at the deadline. I think that is the most important thing for them. But there are a lot of directions they could pick. There are a lot of trade styles they could make. And there are a lot of ways they could set up their future. And I hope today I illuminated some of those for you. If you have any questions about cap dorky stuff, about what the Pacers could do at the deadline, hit me up on Twitter at TEastNBA. And if you have questions, I can also be reached at the the podcast can be reached on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Tomorrow, we're recapping Pacers Magic. That game is tonight. Uh, couldn't fit in anything about the Magic. This is the first time the Pacers have played them. Unfortunate to not have a guest to talk Magic today. Also, tomorrow, we'll be talking about Chris Duarte making the NBA All-Star Rising Stars game. That's pretty cool for him. And one other topic that arises from the Magic game. Hope everybody had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>